Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the JT Fox Podcast Show. And on this podcast, we interview some of the biggest names in the world. Pacino, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Michael Douglas, uh, just to name a few, Calvin Klein, Donna Karen. We sometimes debate the news and sometimes we just talk about issues about money and success and wealth. But today we have a very special guest. Um, it's always amazing to see people that are, you know, you get this notion sometimes that actors are like they you know, you meet them, you see the characters, then you realize they're not them, but then you realize they've got so many more dimensions of themselves and more and more actors are starting to realize that they're entrepreneurs first and actors second, because if you're just an actor first, you are going to uh, get completely go broke. And so this man is a man, him and I were in the same movie series. So we're both inadvertently famous in, in our own rights. Although I still haven't watched the movie I was in as well. And there's a movie, Bruce Willis. Um, he was also in Korba Kai. Um, uh, was it uh, that soap opera, General Hospital? He's the author of a great motivational uh, book, Cobra Kai Method, I believe. And he's done uh, Young and Restless. Uh, you know, it probably as well-rounded as as you become. And um, and we also know that he overpays in taxes because he lives in California. So um, so he likes to make it a lot. and He likes to give away a lot. So Sean Kane, and welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, JT. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. So I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I hated acting. And the reason why I hated acting is I'm a guy that every every five minutes of my life is scheduled out. Five minutes. Mm. Minutes, right. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of waiting on set. And then you do your scene. And mm -hmm. then they're like, great job. And let's do it from five different angles. And you're like, well, I just did a good job as well. Does uh -huh. it really take like, and then you don't really see the product until like six, eight months later, sometimes uh -huh. a year later. Do you really like love it that much or at this point it's like a, a job like it you like it no i love what i do i love acting you know i'm fortunate that i work in television and film and what you're talking about with the waiting around with film you're right and the reason that it takes so long is that the scenes have to be lit okay but when you work on television there's like a giant overhead grid of lighting that is already preset all of it's done with computers so there's none of that sort of waiting around so television moves at a really quick pace and that's one of the things that i like about television the thing i love about film is that when you make a film whether it's a great film or it stinks on ice it's still it's 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 still there for in perpetuity you know it's it's a piece of it becomes a piece of you know the cinematic tapestry uh, and I, and I like that concept. The same could be uh, said though, if you did a real estate deal and you'd be like, I did that deal. Well, absolutely. Right. Ab I mean absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, when you're doing television, uh, it, there's a little bit of a McDonald's concept to it. And it's, you know, you're turning out as much product as you can, making as many hamburgers as quickly as you can. Obviously, you, you know, you're, you're trying to do the very best work that you can do, but at the end of the day, um, you're really selling commercials i mean you're you're there to attract people to watch something so that they can sell advertising and and generate income um so i like film sometimes more than television because you know um you know there's more rehearsal time there's there's generally bigger budgets etc different things for you know different reasons but the movie game has changed right i fund a lot of movies and there used to be like okay, we're going to put a lot of time and money and effort. It's not going to make any money. And only until it gets to like DVDs and streaming rights and global rights. Mm -hmm. uh, now you have a lot of streaming, which has added tons of competition from Netflix, Hulu, uh, right. HBO, all that stuff. 
And you know, I'll be the first to admit the quality of movies just really suck, right? Um, but they they're profitable. The idea is to make them profitable from day one, um, which right. the product is inferior, uh, and it is inferior. I mean, I, I saw it with my own eyes. It was like, was it the greatest thing? Um, do you think that's just kind of like the the sort of the 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 change of of movie making in a way that at the end of the day it is a business because a lot of movies don't make money. I mean, that's what people understand. It is. It's absolutely a business. Um, I think it's become incredibly expensive to make films. And so as a result of that, you get what I call a lot of camels. You know, what is a, what is a camel? It's a horse made by committee. Um, you know, you've got lots of different opinions coming in. You've got marketing and ad guys saying, we've got to satisfy this demographic. We've got to integrate this product placement, blah, blah, blah. And the other thing that happens is a lot of times studios have libraries where they own pre-existing product and it becomes cheaper for them to remake something that's already been made and possibly made well. And, and so there's somewhat of a lack of original concepts more so now than I think in the past. Um, yeah, you know, I, it, it is a business and um yeah, but you're an art you're an artist obviously you have pride in your work i mean you and i were talking briefly course. before air and you did a movie and all of a sudden you're like you rechange your lines right like I, I don't like i don't think that'd be and by the way for the better in this situation um but i don't think that would have been on a big budget where the the illusion of the big studio coming in and over approving they're putting two three hundred million dollars that they would have allowed right. that without stepping on any toes, right? It's like a lot more fluid of like, hey, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, right? right? And, right. And, and maybe that makes it a better product in a way right. or saves the product. Um, is that different? Do you see that from when you first started to, or you always had that flexibility to be like, hey, I'm going to change something because it's well, always- Well, I, you know, I've always, I've always I, look, I think you said something really interesting about if you're going to just be an actor, um, your, your chances of becoming wealthy are- you know, it, it, it's it's a bit of a lottery. But if you can wear multiple hats as a producer, as a writer, um, you you increase the probability that you're going to be successful. And as for me, um, as a writer, you know, my ability to rewrite dialogue and change it uh, is something that has helped me tremendously. You know, it's allowed me to um, improve the quality of my performances. Now, what you said is really accurate do you have the ability and flexibility to do that and that's completely dependent upon the production um, i'm very fortunate that on the bold and the beautiful which i'm currently on i've been on off and on since uh, 2021 um, they are wonderful uh, about letting me um you know tweak my dialogue and i think that's part of what's made my character very successful you can do it in independent films when you get into studio films there is such a hierarchy uh, of what needs to be approved, unless you're a major, major star, um, you know, you got to be very careful doing that. So let me ask you, how come the future of film is not there? And let me explain this before, right? I have an iPhone, right? The quality of the camera is really good, right? Yeah. You know, uh, you have these young people that are very creative that knows how to do these different shots. I mean, you could see it on Instagram, the way cameras are sure. manipulating and they're editing. And so you create a, a feature movie, uh, all recorded on your iPhone, which I'm sure that's been done before, but just, you know, somewhat maybe of a lower budget, but it could be well edited. And then you put it on there and you call it, it's an NFT. And then people want to buy a piece of the movie. And if it's like, you know, then, so basically they raise $3 million off the NFTs. And then if the movie gets sold, it like now they become part of the contract, almost what the music industry has kind of gone where 
you can literally skip the labels because the label is not as important now as you can put your your music like the rapper chance straight on soundcloud and then you go you go big and people watch this movie and they're like wow it, it's great or let me stick my video on youtube right and i'll get some ads out of it as well make more money um but yet on the other side I fund a lot of movies. They cost millions and millions and millions of dollars, especially when you're, you know, the actors make a tremendous amount of money, like the, at least the, the the draws, as they say. Mm -hmm. um, and and I would sort of look at Blair Witch Project as being an example of how, and I don't know if that's been duplicated. I don't think so. How like cheaply that was done and how much money they've made. How come that 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 way of filming hasn't hit yet? Or is it the future? It's just not here yet. Uh, well, I... I I think there definitely have been examples when people have tried it. Um, I think that a lot of films that are being shot on digital, uh, the cameras are still better than an iPhone, as good as an iPhone is. Um, you know, there's, there's, I mean, I'm not a hugely well-versed, um, uh, you know, and knowledgeable well, it's more, guy. It's more about, about time, creativity. Where well, I, I, think, I think there's I think probably people with great ideas that are not being seen. Great scripts, great characters. I mean, there's got to be. Right. I mean, there's got to be people that just have been because it's hard to penetrate Hollywood. I mean, you well, know, I think a lot of that comes a lot of that comes from, um, you know, the inability to raise financing. That's part of it. You know, raising financing is difficult. The other thing is you got to know your end game. Right. You got to know where you're going to be selling the product. I mean, you know, making a film is a Herculean task. And, you know, if you're able to raise the money to shoot something, that's great. But your investors want to know what the end game is and how they're going to get their money back. And, you know, studios and the larger independents um, have, um, you know, well-traveled um, distribution pathways. Uh, you know what I mean? So, so um, you know, these the films that are studio films, they've, like you said, the money's already largely been made before the beginning of principal photography. Um, you know, I think also not too many actors are going to get real excited about shooting a film they know is being done on an iphone um well pro I probably think though the, it's some of the smaller actors that have not been as discovered yet right because obviously no a-lister is going to do it unless i mean the way that you know how the the model works right now right they, sure. it's a four-day shoot two-day shoot right yeah. it's a very big payday because they know they can sell the, the rights internationally yeah. and dub them, right? And it don't really matter what they say, if it's good or not. Right. Like that's the model. And then you have like great people like yourself, um, kind of like like really carrying the load, really, really. And you probably have more screen time than some of the A-list actors that are on right. there. And they're just there for, well, we talk about marketing, right? Like they're right. the guys on the billboard and, right. and then it's people like you who drive it. That's so, and they, cause I mean, there's a lot of these people, they're not worried about their brand. They're just taking some of these movies because they're just paying. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. different, right? They used to be like, I'm picky on what I take. So I don't, yeah. um, you know, I don't, or maybe they just spend so much money and they have such a big burn nut that they still have to continue making money. Right. That's why, I mean, De Niro said that his yeah. ex-wife was like spending all his money and it was taking shit movies. And I know, cause I funded, I'm like, why would he do this shit? You know what I mean? And they're like, right. you know, he need, you know, you see offer someone $4 million for four days uh, or whatever right. number it costs. I mean, it's, that's a lot of money. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. These guys, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe they say, Hey, listen, I'm doing a new, new addition on my house. I can go work for two days. And, uh, you know, like I cover the nut for that. I don't know. You know, I think a lot of these guys that are doing these films where they're working for a couple days in these films that are primarily being made as product, as opposed to art are at a point in their career where they've had a lot of success. They've made a lot of money. Maybe they're aging out a little bit. 
Um, and you know, they're, they're just kind of trying to feather their nest. And, you know, I, I completely understand that. I, I do think sometimes it's sad because it can diminish someone's cinematic legacy. You know, if you've done a body of work that's exceptional and then, you know, suddenly you're, you're turning out, you know, 15 films over two years where you've got about six minutes of screen time, you know, well, so you're talking more or less like an Al Pacino, right? Which I've had him on my event. I'm not naming it. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not just, saying, just in general, right? If you take a look at Al Pacino, my favorite movies are Scarface and, and The Godfather, right? Sure, and it, it's really amazing because I've had Pacino, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, uh, Mel Gibson, uh, and Charlie Sheen at my events, right? And I know them very well. And I mean, I've seen every movie they've had. And then I meet people and or Travolta, right? And you're like, who's that? And they're like, who's Mel Gibson? Like, they don't even know Mel Gibson. Yeah. They don't even it's, know it's Braveheart, right? So you ask people who Russell Crowe is. Some people haven't seen Gladiator. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, right? And oh it my just God, seems that that in a way, you 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 know, here's the thing. What's the part of the legacy if the younger generation is not? I mean, there are people who haven't seen Rocky. Young people, like for us, I mean, that was an ABC, Shame. right? Yeah. I mean, so they don't know Rocky. They don't know Braveheart. They don't even know Scarface yeah. or, or that. So so you talk about the legacy, but isn't it the legacy of maybe people have seen it as the new generation now more concerned with the Jake Pauls of the world and the YouTubers and Mr. Beast? Like, it, that's why my yeah. thing is like, I'm thinking that I'm now getting old because I'm talking to people and they haven't seen these things. So at the other point is you just take the money because obviously it's for a living. Hey, you know, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if a lot of these, these individuals do this because they're not maybe getting offered uh, the, the big ticket roles anymore and they feel that it's a way to maintain some sort of relevance. I don't know. Um, I, I said, well, I, but the, the money they're being offered, it's a lot of money. And I know this because I funded it. So I know it's a lot yeah, of money. Right. And also too, I mean, they've established a brand. It's kind of like, I don't know. What are your thoughts about the, the PGA golf league? Right. So on one hand, you're at the PGA and, and if you don't make the cut, you're out, you're not making that much money in theory, unless you win. Right. And there's only a certain right. amount of people. It's hard winning one tournament, try three, four times a year. And then you got like the Saudi tour comes in and saying like, here's a hundred million, here's 120. And people are like, oh, you have loyalty to this and that. Well, it's like, and I, I look at it and I look at it from like the owner's perspective, right? How many right. times where an owner of a professional team, right? Says, all right, you know, this guy's made us very, very well, but dude, you're not producing at the label. We're in the other winning. We're going to let you go. And that loyalty is not, like reciprocated where why do we expect the players who are offered hundreds of millions of dollars for let forget the political aspects of everything it just seems that a lot of people are judging people taking roles in movies why do why would you like do this commercial why would you do this movie or why would you do that I'm, I'm but you're putting a, food you're putting food on the table and also too i mean if there was the other way around, I bet you they take the money too. So I think people don't understand the choices that need to be made. Am I wrong here? I'm not. I'm not a big fan of judging people. Um, you don't know what anyone's particular circumstances are and why they make the choices they make. Uh, I got enough trouble worrying about myself. Um, you know, you're right about loyalty. I mean, I you know I'll tell you a, a very quick story. But I was uh, on a show that I had been on off and on for seven years, and they weren't picking up my contract. They they let me go. And within the week that they let me go prior to my final episode, I negotiated a bigger contract with another network and they were pissed off. And I was like, how dare you be upset that I'm going to try and feed my family and you're upset that you're saying I have a lack of loyalty. 
I mean, you know, give me a break. You know, I mean, you know, that's one of the things, you know, uh, I've learned in this business. I'm not jaded and I'm not, um, look, it's, it's called show business. It's not called show friends. And, it, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't make wonderful friends in this business, but you learn very quickly if you're smart as an actor that your value to anyone exists as long as you can bring value to that relationship. And when you cease to bring value to that relationship, then you are in a perilous position. Yeah, that's a good point. Those are actually fantastic. So let's bring the Cobra Kai. So you write a book and sure. maybe you could tell people the Cobra Kai connection in case people are watching. Um, sure. probably, you, probably, um, you probably never had an interview like this, right? I mean, this is definitely... I like this. Yeah, it's just like chopping it up with a friend, man. I like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my book, my book is called Way of the Cobra. And it is my uh, third book. Um, Way of the Cobra is uh, a motivational self-help book. The way that it's structured is that I'm the sensei, you're in my dojo. Cobra is an acronym. It's formed from the words character, optimization, balance, respect, and abundance. Uh, the chapters are divided up into belts. And these are the strategies and the philosophy that I've used in my life to overcome a lot of challenges and achieve some of my success. And people ask me, uh, you know, what the genesis of this book was. And I, I had turned 50 and I had some pretty significant success in my life. And I'd had a few epic failures, some of which were rather um, well publicized. And um, I was looking in the mirror and I was saying, OK, what's next? What's what's my second act here? And I was 35 pounds overweight. I had no prospects for acting work. And I realized that I needed to start doing some things very differently, very quickly. And rather than wait for my ship to come in, I decided I was going to build the damn ship. I just had to figure out how I was going to do it. And like I said, these are the strategies and philosophies I used to you know, pull myself up from my bootstraps. And um, in the course of that one year, uh, when I made these changes, my second book, uh, Success Factor X, became an Amazon new release bestseller. Um, we got a show that I created that I've been trying to get made for well over a decade uh, on Amazon Prime. And Eventually, we're nominated for 16 Emmys and, and won three, um, you know, and I won for producing and I lost the 35 pounds. And I, I don't tell people that to impress them. I, t I say it to impress upon them what is possible when you're willing to do a few things that are very simple, although not necessarily easy. And uh, that this is this is the best information that I've acquired through my life in this book. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis that they're experiencing paradigm shifts in their life based on the book. And, and I just close that out with saying, you know, before anyone thinks that I'm, uh, you know, living on top of a mountain, levitating three feet off the ground, uh, I've made every mistake in this book a dozen times over. And so that's what gives me the authority to, uh, to, to write this. So the karate kids, um, which obviously now you're probably being known much more for, uh, karate kid three and then also the the revival on netflix which has done extremely well um yeah so uh, is it um and are you like producing did you write it like what's the what's the did i write the book no no did you know the the, the 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 concept of the new shows and everything that's coming out are you behind any of that stuff no not at all no no this is no. uh 
No, so basically, so but how much people think you're actually Cobra, the the you know the Cobra that has to do with Karate Kid and just this? It's whole... called uh, way, way the Cobra. Um, no, well, but that's people think know, of that, right? So I mean, are you playing yeah. off of that? Because so, I... so 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 here's so here's the thing. I you know I had been working on a self help book, and I said to myself, look, you know, I can write this thing uh, and have fifty people read it, probably twenty five of whom are my family. Or I can structure this in a way that taps into the juggernaut that is Cobra Kai on Netflix and the fact that I'm a member of the Karate Kid universe. And so I really just took the existing information that I've been working on and used that as the basis, retooled it um, to, uh, you know, set it up in this structure. Uh, the book is not written for fans of Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. Karate Kid and Cobra Kai fans will definitely um, appreciate it because there's certainly a lot of winks and nods to, um, you know, my my being a part of that that universe. But this is a book for everybody, and uh, it turned out to be a smart move because, um, you know, I, I got into that pipeline of fans, and the book has been selling like crazy. In terms of the series on Netflix, are, are you doing? Are you like producing it, writing it as well, or are you just acting in it? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an actor for hire on that, reprising my role of Mike Barnes after 35 years, and uh, you know, it's, it's. There's been a, a, a spectacular response. It's been really wonderful for me. So let me ask you a question. So there, you know, A, B, and C actors, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You consider yourself like, have you put yourself into a box of like, I'm an A list, B list, or or C list in your mind? Well, oh, I, I think it was. A I think there's a difference. Well, I, I, I consider myself an A-list actor. And if I don't, who else is going to? Um, whether or not whether or not the rest of the business sees that yet, that's that's beyond my control. I stay out of the results. What I do is I do what I do well, and I trust that the results will follow. Do you think um, that with all your experience and what you've done, do you feel like sometimes, like, you know what? I, I see this. I should be, like, bigger than what I am. Like, I, honestly, if you were an A-lister, I... You know, I don't think I'd have you like, I don't think you'd be here right now at this particular moment because we would have to go to 12 different PR agencies and it would have been the worst experience ever. Right. Because they're isolated shelter. You're down to earth guy, super smart, well-rounded, do different things. So in your mind, is it like, hey, I should be that or you don't care. You are happy who you are. Oh, and whatever I'm, happens, I'm, happens. well, I'm happy, but that doesn't mean that I'm satisfied. Um, you know, I'm a very ambitious guy. And, uh, you know, I think that the best is yet to come, um, you know, and I can't wait to see, um, you know, what's going to unfold, but I work very, very diligently to continue to increase my visibility. And I do that because it allows me to have more autonomy in the choices I make with the roles that I play. I mean, for me, yeah, sure. More money is great, bigger, all that stuff's great. But for me to have more say so creatively and in, in, in the direction of my career, uh, is what's important. You know, that was the genesis for me to create Studio City, which is my, you know, Emmy Award winning show on Amazon Prime. I got tired of waiting for people to hire me. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to be the guy doing the hiring. I'm going to be the guy creating the show. And so, uh, create your own you know, I, Yeah, I, be I believe that you must be proactive in anything you do, whether you're an actor or anything else. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's kind of like Don Corleone said, you know, I refuse to be a a puppet on the strings, uh, you know, you know, manipulated by someone else. I mean, look, we all do things that, you know, where, where there's, where there's people that are, um, you know, bosses and, and, and you have somebody to answer to. And I, that's certainly the case 
with a lot of the work I do, but I've also forged, um, you know, a, a sort of a parallel reality where, you know, I'm the one who's able to um, have the creative input and make some of the decisions. You talked about having some very public, uh, you know, adversity. Mm. What, what was it? And what led you to go down into that adversity now that after you wrote the book and you have the different levels, can you pinpoint because there are people, they go like this, right? Which is hard. And sometimes right. you have a level of success and people come down and they have a hard time or they have a hard time yeah. staying up, especially in your business. Yeah. A lot of pressure, right? You can be a hit one day and then the next day you're, you're forgotten. Yeah. Very yeah. hard. And it's not consistent. That's right. why I thank God for TV because the movie things are just waiting around and in between. I always think that's why a lot of these Hollywood actresses and actors get in trouble sometimes. There's so much time in between these things that you have to mm. bored out of your mind. TV is people like the grind of six days a week. Uh, for seven, eight months. So what, what was that, that adversity and, and why do you think it happened and what did you learn from it? You know, I, I, well, I struggled a lot with, uh, with drinking for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly what happened, uh, but I continued to have faith and, uh, you know, I wasn't able to, I was able to, I was able to put long stretches of time together where I wasn't drinking, where I wasn't having any consequences, but invariably, uh, you know, I would build it up and then I would sort of burn the house down. And I think part of it was getting married. Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that the right one will make you, the wrong one will break you. And I got the right one. Uh, I realized that God has given me a tremendous amount of natural talent and talent can be an incredible um, detriment to you because if you think that talent alone without hustle is going to get you where you want to go, um, that's a, that's a real delusion. It's one that I suffered from for a long time. And I just decided that I don't want to be a guy that's just good. And I was starting to sink into mediocrity and I didn't like it. And I was able to have just a, a, a metamorphosis, really, a transformation that, you know, a lot of it is 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 faith based, um, and a lot of it is just getting really honest and deciding if I if I want to do what I want to do in this life, um, I'd rather say no to one thing so that I could do everything else in my life than say yes to one thing, alcohol, to the exception of everything else. And I'll tell you, I. I don't miss it. It's it's almost like something's been lifted from me and my career has just skyrocketed in ways that I, I had only hoped for. And in retrospect, never would have happened. You know, funny is that my, I've never had a drink in my life because wow. both my parents were alcoholics and then my sisters as a result. And it, it just, I just decided to do the opposite because I just saw what it did. And on yeah. purpose, like don't matter, there could be 50 people around me drinking. I don't care just my willpower not to yeah. be like them yeah right as a pure principle right yeah. that's interesting that's interesting i i, I talk i talk about in my book um about a story about you have you have two kids raised in different families but the circumstances are identical the father's an alcoholic can't keep a job he's abusive drinks the money away and the first kid grows up and becomes an, an abusive alcoholic uh, much in the same way as his father i'm sorry about that no problem uh, makes it more natural um, and real and um you know the kid grows up basically to uh parallel his father and says well you know look it's in my dna i guess i guess that's just how it is and uh the second kid in a different family 
says, I'm never going to drink. I'm never going to put my family at risk, really. <laughs> they, and, they, it's uh, really important. Yeah, they're purposely pick up and they're like, well, maybe he missed it. Trust uh, me. I, right. Right. Yeah. I was by the way, I have to say it's a weird, phone. it's a weird uh, little uh, phone ring you got there. That tells me a it, lot. Well, about that's it. my wife's. It's, it's oh, that's my your wife's wife. ring phone. Uh, it's my wife. Uh, <laughs> no, but the point I'm trying to make is, you know, you can have two people with identical circumstances that attach a different story to the experience. And the story is completely what has the ability to determine our future. You know, I, I talk about in way of the Cobra that humans are generally very bad historians. In other words, JT, if I said you tell me something in as much detail as possible uh, about an experience that was really a profoundly effective experience in your life and you walked me through it as honest as you can. And then I, I brought you into a movie theater and I said, okay, we're now going to watch what really happened. At best, you were probably going to be about 40% accurate, okay? And it's not because you're lying or being deceptive, but it's because we all see our experiences through a prism that is refracted by all sorts of different variables, everything from our gender to our socioeconomics to our education to a million different things, right? And, and you know, if we can agree that humans are not terrific historians, I'm a big proponent of creating stories in my life and attaching those to experiences that are motivating and empowering rather than something you wear around your neck like an anvil and that just drags you down. And, um, you know, I think for a long time, I, I played characters that were kind of like bad boys and rebels and things. And I, on some level, I, I, I guess I sort of subconsciously was living that out in my, my real life. And at a certain point, I realized that that's not my brand. That's not who Sean is. Um, and I'm not really being honest. And when I started to kind of get clear, get, get clear with things, um, a lot of the artifice and the bullshit and, you know, the, the who I thought I sort of needed to be in the world fell away. And the guy that I'm left with is the guy that you're talking now. And it has made me a better human being. It's made me a better actor, uh, more present. Um, you know, everything about it's been great. And I felt like I needed to do all that because I couldn't, I couldn't be a hypocrite and write a book about self-improvement and motivation and not walk the walk. And so the book for me was every bit as cathartic writing it because I was going through all of this incredible change uh, as what I hear a lot of people say that they glean from it when they read it. Yeah, that's well said, man. Two, two quick, very questions here to, to wrap sure. this up. Which is the actor that you've worked with that you learn the most from? Boy, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, you know, no one is, I've worked with some pretty good ones. I mean, I've worked with Billy Bob Thornton. I've worked with, I've worked with some amazing actors. You know, I try and learn something from everybody and every experience. But what do you mean like um, learn? Like learn because they, they have a well, I'm in character. Like when you say learn, what like because obviously Billy Bob is a whole different character, right? Which they seem to be the very right. same. Um, so when you say learn, what what does that mean? Well, I guess, I guess, I guess one of the things I learned from Billy Bob early on was that Billy we were doing a series together called the outsiders for Fox and he was actively writing a film called one false move, which he later made. And one day he called me up to uh, a theater up on Hollywood and said, I want to, I want to show you something. And it was just me and about five other people in the audience. And he came out on the stage with a chair and began to do a monologue from what would later become sling blade. And I watched it and I was like, this is going to win an Academy award. I knew it. You know, I had a visceral 
reaction. So what I learned from him was the necessity and power of not just being an actor, of being an actor, writer, and producer. Um, you know, I, I've worked with uh, uh, Oliver Stone. I've worked with uh, um, John Abelson, who directed Rocky. I mean, I, I, I try and learn something from everybody, whether it's technical or, um, um, you know, I watch a lot of old movies. I'm a huge Paul Newman fan and every actor steals. I don't care what they say. You know, uh, you know, wait, Paul wait, Newman. Wait, who? Who? Paul who? Paul who, right? The guy on my salad dressing, that guy. You know. <laughs> what? My, yeah, you know. What, I, mean, you I know, love Brando, that salad dressing. Brando, right, I love that stuff. Brando stole from Paul Newman. Paul Newman stole from James Dean. Um, and, and you know, uh, I, I, I think that it's really important to always remain open to, to learning and becoming a better and stronger actor. Um, I think it's, you know, acting is one of those things that, I, I think you have to have somewhat of a natural affinity for it. Um, you can certainly become better, but I don't know if you're, if you just don't have it, if you can ever become great, but I mean, it's something I work at really hard and um, you know, I'm fortunate that for instance, on bold and the beautiful, that I, I have the opportunity to work so frequently that there's certain things that I've really refined and learned by virtue of the fact that, you know, I just do it all the time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a professional actor. You know, I, I, I equate it again into the book, you know, being a professional at anything. Um, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a guy that's a really good barroom brawler. Nine out of 10 times, he's going to get his ass handed to him by a professional boxer. It just comes down to somebody that does it on a professional level. That's working with people that are better, that ups their game and doing it with consistency. Anybody can throw a knockout punch once you know, achieve lightning in a bottle, so to speak. But for me, the hallmark of a professional is being able to summon that again and again at will. And that's, that's something that I've worked at, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you got to be able to turn it on and off when you need it in the clutch moments, you know? Yeah. So that's no, something. Great. And by the, there's too. been a lot of great actors who passed away. James Caan, Paul Servino, Ray yeah. Liotta. Um, yeah. uh, you know, th th those were, those were really good and their roles. Like they really stuck out. I just, it's just, it's crazy to see, um, the people like that yeah. going. So last thing, uh, show your book again, tell people where to get it, which I'm sure, sure. you're on, but I like the book cover. It's nice. Sure. It's yellow. Thank you very much. My wife designed that. Uh, it's called way of the Cobra. Uh, you can get it on Amazon or Kindle, or if you'd like to get a signed copy, you can get it at, uh, way of the and the sequel to the book, which is going to be called way of the Cobra. Welcome to the Kumite is going to be coming out, uh, in probably late September or, or early October. Well, there you have it. Sean Canning, fantastic interview. You've heard it here. Drop a like, a comment, a review. Um, really appreciate it, but more importantly, pick up his book because his way, uh, uh, any fine time you can learn different ways of becoming better, that's how you become better. Absolutely. Anything you do. Anything yep. you do. Hold on, how am I doing? And by the way, will I win an Academy Award? Because you said you had this like sense thing. So, Will you win one? Yes, will I win one? I, why not? You know what? I just, you I, buy, I just buy one. Uh, I go to the Hollywood store, I get one, and then- and Just then, buy one of those little can, ones, right? Yeah, you get it presented to me as well. That's it, everybody. We'll see you next time. Great interview, Sean. Bye-bye.